correctly with the correct amount. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. radiocom Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPG, the podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Hey folks, welcome back to Me and Steve Talk RPGs. I'm here this evening with my buddy Steve. What's up, Steve? Hey, what's happening? Well, not much. Not much. A lot of stuff, but not much. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, right? Isn't that always the way it works? Yep. All right, so we're going to do a podcast tonight, but before no. we do our... No, we're not? <laughs> no. Nope, okay, nope. bye. <laughs> Roll outro music. <laughs> Roll outro music. Shortest episode of me and Steve ever, and the only one without a tangent. <laughs> I know, it's the only one we stayed on topic for the entire time. All right. So... <sighs> Speaking well, of tangents... Yes? Let's talk about the Order 66 podcast as our podcast of the week. Okay, well, we can do that. And we can tangent directly from that into our topic for the week because they're kind of related. Sort of tangentially related. In, in yes. In Steve land, they're related. Uh-huh. In Steve's brain, whatever. It's not just your brain. I understand why they're related. <laughs> <laughs> so um, for those of you who may have actually listened to the Order 66 podcast, unlike those of us who never listened to the Order 66 podcast, it is your one stop for all things Star Wars RPG. The current version started some nine years ago now, close to 10, when the old Order 66 podcast transitioned to the new FFG Star Wars role-playing game. So there's actually a whole bunch of another feed with a whole bunch of old stuff about Saga Edition Star Wars way, way back. But they transitioned to FFG Star Wars and have not looked back, and there's 168 episodes. Well, I think we need to say who also hosts this podcast, because I don't think you mentioned that. No one's ever heard of him either. Well, no, either well, of them. them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no one, I mean, who's ever heard of GM Chris or GM Phil? Yeah, no, never. No, never heard of either of GM them. GM Dave in the early days, and Hooli yeah. shows up sometimes, and... Who? Yeah, I don't know who he is either. <laughs> oh, man. I was yelling at me radio. <laughs> but, you know, and, and uh, guests from all over the Star Wars gaming universe. It's a great show. And, um, well, to to kind of, um, anyway, I'll link, I'll put a link to the feed in the show notes and all that stuff. But this kind of ties into our topic of the week because figured we'd talk a little bit about campaign prep, which I know you're asking why does, yeah, well, because I'm working on prepping a Star Wars campaign right now. And because it'll be the first time I've ever run anything in the FFG Star Wars game, I figured, what the hell, I'll go back and start at the beginning. <laughs> because coincidence, you know, this the, when they started the, the new feed, it was with the beta release of Edge of the Empire back in 2012. Man, that's a decade ago. Yeah, well, but see, like, the thing about it is, unlike, like, if you go to listen to you know, insert name of podcast for insert name of system. If you go back and start at the beginning of the feed, they're coming at it fresh. Like this is new to us. So you don't have as much of the, 
what do you want to say, assumed knowledge of the system that you do in a lot of podcasts. Right, right. Which is nice. Like, I, you know, we're both familiar enough with the dice and how the system works, but it's nice to hear it when they aren't assuming that you know you've been playing the game for 10 years. and <laughs> You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, no, I agree. It's it's nice to be able to listen to a podcast where, you know, it's just some people that aren't aren't assuming that, you know, everything there is to know. Mm-hmm. And but yeah. So you speaking on that, you were saying about you went back and listened to the um, listen to Order 66 because you're working on prepping a Star Wars campaign. So I think that sort of segues into our topic for the night. Right. Of um, campaign prep. Mm hmm. We've, we've talked a lot about prep and story prep and game prep, but I think campaign prep is actually a bit of a different beast. Yeah, I, well, yes and yes and no. And yes maybe? and yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes and yes. Like, and I think everyone's going to approach it differently. And to be fair, I don't know that I've ever gone at it this way before, although it's been years, not years, but it's been a while since I really you know, like sat down and went, okay, I want to run a campaign with, you know, this stuff going on. The last campaign I tried to work on was the, our ill-fated CP 2020 game, which I had an idea for, but it just sort of between COVID and everything else, it just sort of. (laughs) Well, yeah. And yeah, there's just a lot of things that went on with that. And, you know, I understand it. Like I said, I, I, um, I've run well now, and if I can ever get back to Retro Star, I mean, life's been crazy, but we're going to get back to it soon here. Yes. I've run, well, quite a few actually campaigns since then of just, you know, I ran a, an ill fated D&D campaign for a while. I ran a Retro Star, I ran Mutant City Blues. So I, I'm sort of fresh on the campaign prep stuff that, you know. Yeah. And I, to be fair, too, like, the concept of the group where I'm probably going to be running this Star Wars was short campaigns. Well, that's not where my Star Wars idea is really landing, but what I'm hoping to be able to do with it, if nothing else, is do it in like, you know, short chapters where we play a chapter, then we go play something else, and then we can come back to it if we want. Well, I don't mean to be rude, but, and I, I don't want to speak for the group, but I know for myself, even if we run a little bit longer than I've been running on campaigns, it's not a big deal. Yeah, well, and I know, like, a bunch of us, you know, myself, uh, Slappy, you know, I think the other members of the group have all kind of been wanting to play Star Wars, too. Yes, yeah, yes. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's yeah, I don't know. It is what it is, right? It's one of those things where, yeah, I think that, you know, it's probably going to be a welcome addition. But anyways. So I don't know where you started, and, and like I said, for, you know, for Mutant City Blues, Retro Star and such, you know, you were working intentionally with a pretty tight, concise little story arc that you wanted to tell. Yeah. I, uh, I think. <laughs> Mutant City Blues, I started, of all places, I found this. Oh, my God. Okay. You know me and inspiration from the outside world. Mm-hmm. I found this documentary on YouTube about these people who run around in, like, flak jackets and motorcycle helmets that are all made up to look like superheroes and pretend to be superheroes and just fell down this rabbit hole of this one guy who turned out to be a drug dealer. It was a whole thing. I'll have to send it to you if I can find it. Is it sort of like cosplay gone wild? 
basically it's these people that believe that they can stop crime and it's like, yeah, that's fine. I don't have, you know, whatever, but like you want to help your city. That's fine. But it's just wild. It's just crazy, man. But that's where I started with mutant city blues. I had a different plan for mutant city blues. I was going well, and you saw sort of by the end of it, I was going more NCIS CSI style. But Mm -hmm. when I ran into that, I was like, nope, nope. That's where we're going with mutant city. Like I got to go this way. Mm hmm. And it was it was it was fun, and I at least missed some of the clues you had been dropping along as to who some of the people we had found were. Well, and but, some of that was you guys. Not that you know. I believe that if you miss a clue, you can just fill in later. I don't believe in actually having to force feed clues to people. Mm-hmm. So some of that was um, some of that was that you guys just missed clues. Mm. and didn't pick up on what i was dropping and and like didn't go back and really search and search and search yeah well and there was also the one scene where we exited stage left that might have left a lot of hints to things it, it didn't right. really affect gameplay no no it didn't and i i just i believe in just if you guys i i don't believe that missed clues should stall a campaign no and that's just a firm belief in my mind is that just because your players missed the hints doesn't mean you stall out the campaign. You keep going with the thing that you had planned and maybe you go about it a different way. Mm-hmm. And that's all that happened with that game was you guys just went about it a different way. Mm-hmm. But no, Mutant City was that. And then this retro star is just, I don't know. I didn't need source material for it. <laughs> well, I, I know what your main inspiration is and I don't want to spoil it because we're at least tentatively recording it, whether we actually ever release it or not is still up in the air. Yeah. And I, I just, I will say I took a property and spun it away in my head mm-hmm. and yeah, that's fine. I, that was just, that was just me being goofy and wanting to have some fun with a, with a silly, silly seventies action game. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know. And I think it works perfectly. I think it does too. But where I always start with, where I always start with making my campaigns is with some kind of inspiration, mm. whether it be a short story that I write for myself. Cause I have a handful of short stories that I've written for campaigns that are just nothing, just things that people are never going to see, you know, mm. or uh, that I've only kept for long enough to maybe do the campaign and then get rid of it. But it's, it's a lot of, it's like, I'll write a story that sort of is the idea of the campaign. And then, I just make the detail like basically I start real focused in and then Mm -hmm. I start backing up until I reach a point where I feel comfortable going, okay, at a thousand feet, my players are going to do whatever they want to do. But realistically, I can tell this story from this distance. Mm -hmm. That's how I start campaign prep. Like when I'm doing especially story stuff, when I'm doing that, I start like way close up and then just start backing out until I reach a point where I'm like, okay, I feel comfortable letting my players loose at this distance. Okay. So, yeah. So kind of where I started with the star Wars thing was we had kind of just been randomly chattering about what, and look, I've made no secret on the show or in our conversations or pretty much anyone I talk to that I've been Jones into play star Wars for a good long time. Cause the last time I played it was in like 1994. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> and it was actually the first, my first role-playing experience was you know, it was the old West End game, second edition, but it's still, it was Star Wars. Right. And, you know, 
and we talked about this a little bit uh, the, with with Huli and that Star Wars in a way can be intimidating because there's so much canon. And like we both talked about this, where that makes you hesitant to want to run something in Star Wars, where for me, for whatever reason, I get that sense, that that feeling, that sensation, whatever, with like Forgotten Realms, where it's just like, no, or Dragonlance or, you know, any of those big classic fantasy things. It's just like, but I don't want it. But Star Wars, I don't feel that way with. And I don't know. I think some of it is that with Star Wars, I'm willing to say, well, you know, look, this is canon-ish. I'm I'm working off of a mixture of this, this, and this, but this is our game. This is our world. And maybe things don't go the way they did in canon after a certain point. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's fair. I just, I, I don't know. Just, it, I've expressed that I don't feel comfortable playing Star, like running Star Wars. I'll play right. it. That's whatever. Yeah. And, and look, that's, I mean, you know, that's a valid way to feel. I'm not, but like, so in our conversations, we're all kind of like, well, you know, I'd like to play roughly, you know, this era. And we kind of all found out that we're all kind of interested in roughly the same era, you know, clone wars up through original trilogy, really <laughs> is a, is a fair way to say it. I'll go past the original original trilogy all the way up to the sequel trilogy, but I don't want to touch any of the sequel trilogy stuff. I, those movies don't need to exist, in my opinion. Mm. I'm not saying that they're bad. I'm not saying I didn't enjoy them to a point, but I would have been okay without them. <laughs> I'm not arguing with you, but I, I just know that they have their fans. You know, like, like you know, Mandalorian's a wonderful series, but that's a very tight, separate story in its own way. Mm-hmm. You know, I am curious to see if, if they do more with it, especially with the stuff with Moth Gideon and whatnot. But, you know, that's whatever. But we found out, you know, okay, we're all kind of interested in roughly the same era, and we kind of want to do something similar-ish. Like, okay. So this gives me a rough starting point. Well, then, you know, we start having conversations, and, and I've had, well, okay. So, yeah, it gives me a rough starting point. So then I go in and I just made a Google Doc and and it's a I just literally labeled it the Star Wars scratch sheet. And so I just started, you know, I put down rough timeline that I wanted to go into and kind of my base concept of, you know, small group of space rabble that ends up getting into things essentially, which I know is overly vague, but you know, like none of us were terribly interested in like let's play a rebel squadron you know, or, or whatever. So Mm -hmm. I just started jotting down different stuff that like, okay, this is something I might want to use, um, et cetera. And then we started having conversations and it's like, somebody made a joke about, well, how about we do something like that? Uh, one episode of the clone wars where it's all astromech droids. (laughs) Oops. All astromechs, (laughs) you know, and like, Okay, that was a, a fun episode, but the logistics of actually playing an all droid party in an imperial era are complicated at the least. <laughs> right. Yeah, it, absolutely. And not to mention the mechanics of the mechanics of just yeah. Yeah, you said that already. You know, because the empire considers droids property not beings. So yeah. they pull you over so to speak 
well, okay, we're just taking you because, you know, they slap restraining bolts on you and that's the end of the game. No one likes that. That's not fun. Um, and I'm sure there are ways you could, you know, get around that, whatever. But yeah, it, it, it would be a fun, like a one shot. Absolutely. Maybe a really short, super outer rim thing, but there had been interest expressed in kind of, you know, the more intriguey, you know, Rogue One, what it appears the new Andor series is going to be, you know, that kind of stuff. So it's like, well, okay. So I had had this idea a while ago that actually came to me based on, there's the one um, adventure book, uh, Beyond the Rim which I think mm-hmm. um, our friend Tom actually ran an actual play of on Shared Sagas. And the premise there is that the party gets sent to some planet that's it's off hidden behind an ast- uh, some sort of weird, you know, asteroid field, you know, storm thing, galact- you know, anyway. And it's, it's abandoned, or not abandoned, but this crashed separatist ship that they have to go rescue people from salvage stuff from etc well between that and there's a a little mini arc in the rebels series which are, you remember the one where they go and they find the crash droid ship and they have to have the battle with the droids yes yeah, yeah well the idea had come to me that that would be a fun what do you want to say reoccurring villain in a star wars game is if you had this old droid ship had been stuck somewhere, you know, was just deact and then came back on and now it's chasing your PCs around. <laughs> well, but then the idea came up of all droids and I went, well, Hmm. So what if we could somehow have a way to have the party like start off, so to speak in media res, but, but in a fully narrated kind of intro scene, leave that mid clone wars, timeline and suddenly be two to four years before Yavin. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, like just transplant from separatists fighting the Republic to the empire kind of at its high point and the rebellion just getting started. And you know, what do those characters see in all this, which is kind of a sandboxy premise I get, but the beauty of star Wars as a universe is that, you've got all this canon media and material to give you the things that are going on in the background that you can interact with as opposed to having to make it all up. Right. And so like what I've been doing is literally, you know, like I've been watching rebels. I've been watching the clone wars. I've been reading books. I've been listening to order 66, you know, and just getting ideas from this and that, and and just kind of gradually building up my note pile And then, you know, I get an idea for this or I get an idea for that. And like, I don't know, part of it is I know myself well enough to know that if I try and write down a very, I don't even want to say detailed, but a a more intricate series of events that I want to happen. It's not going to. it, It won't. And then I'll be disappointed and I'll get frustrated. And then it's going to hurt the game overall. See, and that's that's why I have to do that that I was talking about where I start with the intricate details and then Mm -hmm. back out and then back out again and then eventually get to a point where I'm like, okay, now I feel comfortable where I can just let my players go and whatever happens at this distance, I still have control, but also they can't like nothing can get changed 
too majorly. Mm-hmm. Well, see, I think that's, like I said, for me, that's where, you know, I can then, you know, like I said, I can build out, you know, these, okay, you know, I have an idea of, of who I want my main antagonist to be, you know, and, and, and some of the other factors, other forces, factions, whatever that I want kind of moving around everything, but I've got all this stuff that I can draw inspiration from. Right. And for me, that helps because then I'll get that and I'll go, well, okay, so, um, yeah, I want to do this and well, I can use this little nugget and riff off of that. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. I, I, yeah. Yeah. So it, for me, it's, it's literally just been like a process of adding notes, jotting down ideas. Okay. This kind of arc, this, this person, people are going to be, you know, kind of your primary, at least initial, but then depending on how the players interact with all this, then I can have a lot of ideas to go to like where you're, I get what you're saying. And I think it's, it's a very good way to do things. I don't know that I think that way. I think for me, it's much better to have a pile of loose ideas to be able to pick from. Okay. That's fair. Everybody thinks about things differently and that's absolutely fine. I just know for myself, I can never keep a pile of loose ideas together. (laughs) it's what a google doc's for (laughs) for me anyway but like but see then what i happens is is i have my pile of loose ideas and then i look over my pile of loose ideas and i start thinking about well if i did this and then then this you know and so like as i get a pile of ideas it starts building on itself Mm -hmm. and i don't know if if everyone thinks that way or not no i i i i can definitely Lincoln logs some ideas together. That's not a problem. Mm-hmm. Like I start getting one idea and I'm like, oh, what about this? Or, oh, what about that? Or, oh, what, what if this? And yeah, I've, I've done campaigns that way. When I don't, when I do my no prep campaigns and systems that I know, like the back of my hand, like mm-hmm. if I'm running Cyberpunk 2020 or if I'm running D&D, man, my no prep stuff sounds just like that. <laughs> like... <laughs> It's a handful of loose ideas that all compound off of each other and whatever happens happens because I trust that my players are going to know what's going on and I can tell whatever story comes up off the top of my head and just, yeah, that's when I run a no prep campaign. That's where that comes from. Mm -hmm. I've had this idea for a while or I've had that, you know, that storyline for a while or, uh, you know, this character, I've had them for a while Mm -hmm. and that's where that stuff comes from. So, yeah. Do you do do you prep characters in your campaign prep? Do you make characters in your campaign prep, I should ask? As in like NPCs? Yeah. I have not started doing that yet. I should fairly soon at least kind of like the big pieces. Okay. You know what I mean like do you do you just sort of write down like X type of character or character that does X? Or do you actually name them and, well, I mean, even farther along, do you actually name your characters and do all that fun stuff? Sometimes. Okay. Like, like kind of a lot of times what I'll do is, and I do a lot of this, like, while I'm driving home from work, mm. I just mm-hmm. start thinking of names and, and I have really weird, like, for example, the, in the Genesis game that we played, my, um, the character I played, his name was Jensen Carlisle. Mm. You know where I got that name? No. 
off of two different tractor trailers I passed on the way home from work the day before <laughs> I made it. Hey, whatever. I <laughs> I'm bad with names and you know this. I just I just start throwing out names and whatever sticks sticks. I end up writing names down. That's kind of the other thing that I do is I just come up with names that I think sound cool mm-hmm. and I just throw them in a list. You know, mm-hmm. like I've got a couple of names in, in my Star Wars scratch sheet that uh, I think this is a cool Star Wars sounding name. And then I may assign a role to them or it may just be there for me to pull out for something I need. Right. Kind of like I used to listen to a podcast that they had literally had and it was kind of a, a thing they did with their Patreon and whatnot, where they had a, a name bucket. And when they needed a name for an NPC, they just reached in the name bucket. And, you know, your paid their patrons could like submit names and whatever. To call it out, but wasn't that Terrible Warriors? No, though at least not. I'm thinking this was called Hapless Heroes. No, because I want to say Terrible Warriors was doing that too. I know they used to name NPCs based on patron patrons. Yeah, okay. So they just didn't have a name bucket. Yeah, gotcha. Was was like I said, there's a podcast called Hapless Hapless Heroes, I think. Yeah, I just know that our, our friend Justin, because I was listening to the cult and our, the cult playthrough they did, and I was like, oh, uh, yeah, I remember them saying about naming NPCs and feeling bad about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like, so uh, for me, again, this is where, yeah, I could just start getting a list of names that I think sound cool. And then I have them and I can go, okay, I need a, oh, I like the sound of this name in this role. You know, and it's just for me, it's because I have trouble sitting down and focusing on anything specifically. And so this is for me, this is kind of a way for me to, I don't want to say harness my lack of attention span, but sort of work with it, if you will. And that's where this this pile of ideas concept for me, it's, oh, I got an idea. Let me put it in the pile Mm -hmm. because I get these ideas. And this is, again, where I use a Google Doc for it, or sometimes I'll scribble stuff down on a notepad, and then I take the notepad and modify, transcribe it into my Google Doc. But I can access my Google Doc from my phone when I'm at work or wherever. And so it's a way for me to not lose the ideas, you know. But then I'll also sit down sometimes and, and go down rabbit holes. Like I'll finish editing an episode and then just start reading random articles on Wikipedia. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and go, oh, well, that's interesting. Oh, I could use that. You know what I mean? And so <laughs> yeah. I'll make a little note about this thing. And and I think for me, like I said, part of it is because I'm very unconfident in my ability to write a good story arc, I more want to have a bunch of ideas that I can have rolling around. And then based on the feedback I get from the players at the table, I can then grab one of those ideas and roll with it. And I don't know if if this is me giving bad advice, if this is just me talking about, you know, the reality of of how I do things. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I I don't think it's bad advice. And I I don't think you're doing anything wrong. I think you just need to, and, and this is just my personal opinion, I think you just need to get a little bit more confident in your story arcs. This is... Probably extremely true. And, I, I, you know, I'm not trying to be, you know, disrespectful or anything, but I think that's no. just something that we all have our weaknesses. I know I have mine, and and I know that that's just something, you know, 
one of the things that I had to get over was the feeling that, oh man, I don't know that I can do story arcs very well. Well, I had to learn that the hard way and get over it because for the first, I don't know, six years of gaming, of my gaming career, I was the uh, perpetual GM. Mm -hmm. So I had to get over the feeling of I'm not good at story arcs because I just had to do better. Yeah, well, and see, like, when I... So my first experience running games was was running Rifts in college, and I've told you a little bit about it, but initially it was just, oh, heck, what seems to be fun to have them run into today? And we would just do stuff. But I didn't, at the time, I didn't understand that it was supposed to be some sort of grander thing. Oh, and that's the beauty of Rifts, though, is that it doesn't have to be a grander thing. Right. But you could I, play I Rift's Monster of the Week. One of my players said to me, he said, you know, he said, this is a lot of fun. He said, but I don't think I've ever played a campaign where there wasn't like a bigger overarching thing. And I went, oh, like that was the point at which the light bulb kind of clicked and went, oh, you're supposed to do that. And, you know, it, so it's, it's a weird thing. And I don't know if, like I said, I feel like, I get good concepts, but I'm afraid to try and nail them down too much because I'm afraid that then I'll either get very railroady or I'll be going, man, I had this whole big thing planned out and they went that way. Well, and I think some of that comes back to the, some of that comes to the idea that do that bucket of ideas thing, but do it with your big concepts too. Mm hmm. Don't just do it with your little stuff, right? Because, like, the little stuff's easy. It's it's easy to be like, ah, whatever, it's, we're on Coruscant rather than Naboo, right? Whatever. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what that changes. The bigger stuff, you need to be able to comfortable to do that with it, too, is to be able to go, oh, well, they went left and missed this entire plot point. Well, that's okay. We're going to change the story completely. Right. And I, I think I'm afraid of me getting flustered by that. And so, in a sense, I hide that by not making those plans. Yeah. And, hey, look, I, I you know, if you want to call it the me and Steve confession hour this week, I don't know. But <laughs> my thing is, is that, I don't know, we face our troubles maybe differently then because I face that shit head on. <laughs> yeah, well, see, the other I, thing that I grab the bull by the horns and go, ah, you don't like it too bad. Like, tell me, I, I'll gladly try and fix it. But. I don't get, I used to get upset when my players would be like, we don't like this. I, I got to a point where I'm like, no, I realized that as a player and as a GM, the fun part at the table is that everybody's having fun. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's nice to be able to tell your story. But if your story is in the way of the players telling their story, there needs to be concessions made. Right. And, and I fully realize that. And I guess what I'm... Maybe I'm, you know, so to speak, trying to keep myself from feeling disappointed and then getting angry about it, which I know yeah. is kind of immature, but. No, I, I understand. Hey, that's what happens. I get it. I think that I think that's just one of those things where you need to be again. You just need to go, OK, well, they didn't do this story. We'll do a different story and I'll keep that one in case something else pans out. Maybe I could run that in a different campaign, in a different system, in a different whatever. Mm -hmm. I think that's just one of those things where you just need to 
not to tell you what to do, but just to sort of like accept the fact that, okay, well, it didn't work this time, but maybe it'll work next time. Maybe I can get a different group of players interested in this thing that this group of players didn't latch on to. Because trust me, I had I've had a lot of stories where the players did not latch onto the thing that I was trying to get them to latch onto. Mm-hmm. I've had many, many D and D games where it's like, well, the farmer's wife is over here and she keeps calling for help, but the players are going that way <laughs> and they're not stopping to find out why the farmer's wife's calling for help because one of the players lost their checkbook to a, to a thief that robbed them three, three towns over. Like, you know, it's it's one of those type things where it's like, okay, well, there goes that story. I'll just put it on. I'll, I have I have it in notes. I have it in that. I have this composition book. It's full of stuff like that. I have mm-hmm. it in notes. If if we ever play again with new characters, maybe I'll bring back that story and just change it slightly. Mm-hmm. Just because the yeah. name of the town's changed doesn't, you know, just because the name of the town's changed doesn't change anything. <laughs> yeah. No, see, and I guess too, for me, there's, I sometimes have a really weird disconnect between things that I know and how I still react to them, regardless of the fact that I know things. Right. No, I understand where you're coming from. This, this, you know, dissonance of, I know that's what I need to do, but, and I also too, like, yeah, you know what, you know, that's what you need to do, but you know, you're also going to react poorly to it. I got yeah, you. Like, I get it. Like, I'll be completely honest. I know the Cyberpunk 2020 game that we've talked about that I had, I don't want to say the perfect storm of things to sync that campaign, but there were a lot of factors that created that campaign dissolving that were way outside of my actual. Oh, yeah. Well, and. I, I don't mean to call anybody out, but we had a player that didn't have the entire concept of cyberpunk. We had players that were almost new, almost completely new to uh, tabletop RPGs in total, like outside of D&D. We, we had a whole confluence of things. And then COVID. And, yes. and COVID is not one, not one of the things that you can. But yeah, it's it's it was a whole confluence of things that just went wrong with that campaign. And I. I I understand that you were like, no, I'm just going to like, I'll sink this ship myself because this didn't go the direction I want. I've done that yeah. too. Well, but, and, and I mean, yeah. it, it's one of those things where you have to be having fun too. And I know I said, you know, throw things out the window for the sake of, of the players having fun. But if you're not having fun and if you know that it's really going to bother you, Hey, sometimes it takes throwing the baby out with the bathwater and starting over again. Like, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. But I, there was a part of me who, that, that really took that, that there were things that I didn't do the way I should have. And that really is what caused everything to not go the way I wanted it to. And well, I, I can look back and go, okay, maybe had I done this or this a little different, but in the grand scheme of things, I don't, I think, did I do everything perfectly? No, no. I think in the grand scheme of things, everybody walked away from that campaign having a good time. Yeah. And, well, that was the weird part of it. Well, that's just, just you know, we've we've talked a lot about being adaptive. Well, you just mm-hmm. got to be adaptive. When the players are having fun and you're having fun, there's nothing wrong with that. And if it means that, oh, I didn't get to the story I wanted to tell. 
okay, I, I mean, you, maybe you could try and if the campaign runs longer, you can try and incorporate it into that, you know, longer running campaign. If it doesn't and you, you can't bring it back around, you know, sometimes it takes like with your murder mall thing. I think that would have been a lot of fun if we went to sleep one night and woke back up in the murder mall and just mm-hmm. kept having to do it over and over and over and over well, again. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so part of what I anticipated happening was that you guys as PCs would seek to find out who was behind that. So, and go ahead. No, I think the reason that fails, and I don't mean to tell you, you know, I I don't mean to be rude, but I think the reason that fails is because it's cyberpunk. And so the players and the player characters can just sort of assume that it's some evil corporation and it's just some, you know, dickhead being a dickhead. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so it's like, well, we're going to go back to life now because this is kind of a normal thing in the cyberpunk future that it is. Fair. That was okay. So, yeah, I miscalculated that. But, like, I even tried to kind of like prod at you guys a little bit to push you in that direction. And it didn't seem, I don't know if I wasn't prodding hard enough or obviously enough. (laughs) I think it's a little bit of prodding obviously and prodding hard enough. I think you you prodded you prodded hard enough. I just don't think you were clear enough about it because I okay. know what you're talking about. I just don't think you were because sometimes, and I do this myself. And this is where I ran into my first hurdle with the Mutant City Blues game is that I realized that I don't how do I want to say this clues and ideas that you think are absolutely obvious are not to the players because they're not in your head. Yes. And so, and I say this with all due respect, and I've played with a lot of really smart players, but you really have to dumb things down for even very smart, experienced players. Mm -hmm. Because in your head, you're going, oh, this makes perfect sense. They're going to go, you know, they should go this direction. The reason they're not going that direction is because you're not, you don't have all the clues that you have in your mind out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, you have to really in my mind, at least you have to really lay things out for the players and be like, X is at Y location. Maybe you should go and investigate. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Well, and I think actually, I want to say the last session of that we ran, was that the one where I did the, the interview thing? Um, I don't know. Because I, I actually took and adapted a, a little thing out of a screen sheet in the back of the book and kind of grafted it into this thing. And I think that was kind of finally starting to push you guys in the right direction. But I think that's when COVID happened. And then it was just like, at that point I was frustrated and down on myself and yeah, it was how long. And I'm like, you know what? Never mind. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I know the feeling. Trust me. It, it's, it's not easy. It's not easy to be, it's not easy being, you know, proud of yourself all the time. It's, you know, it's not something that, you should be, but it's like, it takes a little bit of effort to get used to like just accepting whatever happens. Yeah. Well, and like for me, part of it too is like, I find myself, especially doing the podcast, it's like, well, I know all these things that I should be doing mm-hmm. and I'm trying Applying to do them. them. Is, is the hard part. <laughs> yes. And like, you know, whatever, like I said, confession hour, Look, it's it's easy to say you should do this and you should do that. And saying that, I'm also very aware that 
it's easy to say it. It's not always easy to put it in practice. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, I trust me. I, I get it. Cause there's stuff that I do all the time that I'm like, man, I am just talking about this on the podcast. I need to stop doing this. Well, you know, I'll, I'll call myself out. This was back. Oh geez. I don't know. Year and a half ago, I ran a one shot at Delta green for some people on the, uh, of our discord server and agent zero who we ended up later playing, you know, Genesis with and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point I did something. I called for a role for something and then everyone failed. Mm-hmm. And he kind of goes, Hey, weren't you just saying something on a podcast about sometimes not making people roll for something? And he wasn't trying to be smart about it or no, anything. He just was like, Hey, you're just talking about not doing frivolous roles. Yep, exactly. And I just did it. <laughs> I've done that. Yeah. yeah. No, I, when we were playing Mutant City Blues, like one of the first roles that I made you guys do, I was like, I don't have any consequences for this. I need to not do this role. Because uh, I think I said, make a role. And then somebody was like, for what? And I was like, you know what? You're right. Never mind. Um, don't worry <laughs> about it. Because you just don't realize that you just, when you don't have consequences for something, it's like, this is a fruitless role. This is a frivolous role. And it's mm-hmm. tough. It's hard. So. I yeah. trust me, I get it. It's not easy to it's not easy to to always apply your own advice. Oh gosh, no. But sometimes you gotta take, you know, you gotta take your lumps. You gotta learn your yeah. your learn your lessons and take your medicine and and take a lump every now and again and keep moving. Well, I think we all have our things too that we know better, but we keep making the same mistakes anyway. And this isn't at all RPG related, but I'll tell you the one that I do to myself all the time. If I'm working, doing something with metalwork and welding, I know that after I weld it, it's hot. So I don't <laughs> touch it. Okay. I know that. And I'm good about not touching it hot after I weld it. You know, the one that gets me all the time grinding when I'm grinding the welds down, yep. I go to feel how smooth it is. Yep. I do that. I have I burnt my freaking fingers so many times doing that. I burnt myself on my uh, mower blades the other day because I was sharpening them. And I wanted to check to see how sharp they were. <laughs> but that's that's the one, like I said, I have, I don't know how many times, you know, and, and yeah, I know that when you yeah. grind it, especially if you've been really hugging on it, it's <laughs> hot. But every yeah. time I go to see how smooth it is, ow! <laughs> yep. I, I was making... I was making soap today and every video that you watch of soap making is like, now your live water solution is going to be really hot. Well, guess who was like, ah, it'll be fine. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have any serious burns or anything, but I was like, I went to start stirring it and I was like, damn, that's hot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And uh, yeah, no, I get it. Yeah. And it, I, I'm, I'm sure our audience will appreciate us being like, no, but like we screw up too. We get it. It's fine. <laughs> oh, and look, I mean, it says it right in the, the thing for the, are we experts? No, look, I'll be the first. I'd listen to a lot of people who are very smart around RPGs. And a lot of what I say on this podcast is stuff that I've heard a lot of people Other, yeah. who are a Other lot smarter, smarter than me people. say. I can't remember. I can't remember the number of things I've repeated Robin D. Laws say. Like, <laughs> yeah, Ken Height and Robin Laws, man. Ken and Robin talk about stuff is an amazing podcast. And I'd I'd love to have either one of both of them back on. Like, I know we haven't had Robin, but I'd love to have Ken back on. Yeah, we should try and figure out a way to do that at some point. There's a lot of people. 
look, if GM Chris is out there listening, I want to talk to you, please. <laughs> I'll set aside a Saturday if I have to. Just come on, man. Yeah. Chris is a busy man. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. But I think we've touched on some pretty serious topics and we've talked about campaign prep and we've gotten very deep. But I think it's time <laughs> we get into Game of the Week. Game of the Week! Woohoo! Game of the Week! All right, who goes first? I can go first. Okay, you go first. You go first. Okay. I I don't think you've used this one before. I swear, if it's the I one I have today, today. Go for it. It's called Meddling Kids. Um, I don't think I have. Okay. So, as you might guess, and here let me um let me link it to you. But yes, it is very much what you probably are guessing from the uh the title meddling kids is a role-playing game aimed at players from ages seven and up perfect for anyone um oh yeah no i haven't used this one <laughs> it is the theme of the game is simple a group of kids and their anthropomorphic sidekick friend that we'll call the wild card have to solve mysteries or save the day you've seen this model before in countless television series blah 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 yeah so this is scooby-doo uh, speed buggy you know classic or those all Hanna-Barbera shows. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so this is very much a, well, it's not Scooby-Doo, but it is, you know. Yeah, it's a Scooby-Doo-esque story. But I like the fact that it's also intended for kids. Yeah, no, there's nothing wrong with a kid's game. That's pretty cool, yeah. actually. And, uh, you know, it's fairly small, not quite 100 pages. Uh, no print-on-demand options, but the PDF's only going to set you back five bucks. Uh, and it's actually, actually, I'm surprised this is 10, 12 years old. Oof. Yeah, it looks not to be, looks decently old. Yeah, I mean, but like, look, we all know how that works. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. we all know the tropes, and it looks fun. And yeah. sometimes that's all you need. You know, it says each adventure should take less than an hour to play. So making it easy for young minds to stay focused. Or the Steves. <laughs> that's how long less than an hour that's what my retro star games have been hitting <laughs> i'm hitting like a solid 45 minutes <laughs> it's called meddling kids that's cute i like it yep i have one that i stumbled okay. across uh by osprey publishing and it's a game called grand mechanismo okay. it is shoot me a link yep here we go right, computer's running a little slow <laughs> brain's also running a little slow <laughs> Ah, okay. Grand Mechanismo. Mechanismo. It's 1510, and one has to wonder how differently history would have been if you could have played out Machiavelli. It is, in the book, it's advertised as a cyberpunk role-playing game in Da Vinci's Florence. Hmm. It is a swashbuckling adventure in Renaissance... (laughs) Swashbuckling adventure in Renaissance Italy where Florence's winding alley plays host to spies, scholars, and sellswords alike. Um, players are nobles, mercenaries, inventors, and, ar- and artisans who find themselves crossing wits with Machiavelli. Um, hmm. Just looks really cool. The pitch of playing a cyberpunk game, like the idea of a, a cyberpunk renaissance, I love it. I love it. I was just saying... I... Yeah, it's like a Renaissance steampunk 
cyberpunk and whichever. But yeah, that, that that looks like it could be really, really fun. It'd be really... I know I could have fun with it. I don't know if my brain would grasp it well to run it. I I have a couple ideas because I was a huge... Like, when I was a kid, I wanted to be an inventor. And so I was obsessed with people like uh, Nikola Tesla and Benjamin Franklin and Leonardo da Vinci. So I have a, a like stupid amount of knowledge on <laughs> on these on these people and especially da vinci because i was obsessed with da vinci because i saw i don't know i've read the da vinci code and was like mm -hmm. yep i want to learn more about this goober <laughs> no i yeah i i think this would be it sounds wonderfully interesting yeah especially I, I with it, like the kind of historic tie-in yeah and i think the idea of a historic cyberpunk kind of tickles my fancy like not not steampunk because steampunk's its own flavor like a historic yeah. like you know set during the renaissance and it's cyberpunk like i don't know that just that just gets me yeah bit. clockwork something yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. like but... cyberpunk for me it involves and i get that for the era this was incredible technology but like, I don't know, there's something about, you know, flickering fluorescence and neons in mm -hmm. in cyberpunk in my head, and I don't think you'd have, but it, that's just me being semantic and whatever. No, I, I get it, dude. I understand. But like, I like the concept. I just, I don't, yeah. Terminology. I'll shut up now. I got you. No, I get it. <laughs> Terminology's hanging you up there a little bit. It's fine. But yeah, with all that. Well, that's brand new, that. too. Yeah, no, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> it just came out on the 18th. Yeah. So, but with all that being said, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up for the day. Um, as always, links to everything are in the show notes. Patreon, Discord, Facebook, Twitter, all that fun stuff. Um, yes. Yeah. And we want to remind you to be kind to one another and get out there and play some RPGs. Take care, y'all. Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at meandsteverpg at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and RPGs. Find us on Facebook at meandsteverpgpodcast. On Discord at meandsteverpgs. And as always, all of these links are in the show notes. Thank you and be kind to one another. Cigar. Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You got to go down the street to the store and buy that. For those of you who may have actually listened to the four... Uh, the, the what? <laughs> okay. That'd be that. Do, 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 do. <sighs> that went a little more introspective than I intended it, but hey. <laughs>